hard to know uh, if social media is, you know, accurate or true or not, right, what you see on social media. Um, but recently I looked at social media and noticed that it's uh, supposed to be, I guess, Laura's birthday today, and <laughs> she's 72. 72-year-old <laughs> Laura, so yes. <laughs> Looks pretty good for 72, right? Uh, that's awesome. Oh, you want me to sing? Sure. Yeah. To you, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Laura. Happy birthday to you. Beautiful, huh? Nice. That's better. What what was that? I said they all sounded great all they together, did. not just you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it wasn't about me. <laughs> Please, no. Yeah, I always give Laura a hard time because she never puts me on the worship team. I'm like, seriously, what's up with that? She says, well, I hear you. You're sitting right up in front. There's a reason. Oh, okay, whatever. Anyway, God's good. Amen? All the time. All the time. Isaiah 9, 2 to 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness on them, light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. In the midst of our continued battle in this world, it is good that we have Jesus. It's good that we have a child who has been born, a son who's been given, to counsel us, to empower us, and to give us hope for eternity. To know that even though the battle is still raging, and even though we have this victory that is sure, but we still have to fight this battle, to know that we have with us a wonderful counselor who is available, who listens, and who gives the best counsel every time. To know that we have a mighty God 
who has freed us from the chains of sin and death and who empowers us to love, to serve, to sacrifice for others. To know that we have an everlasting Father who is the creator of the everlasting, the doorway to the everlasting, and is indeed the joy of the everlasting. Amen? Amen. To know that we have this child who is with us in the midst of the continued storms. But we need one more piece. (laughs) We need one more thing to help us in this battle. We need a prince of peace. One of the greatest needs, I think, of all humanity is offered to us by the gracious prince of peace. In this era of victory, which is yet to be fully enjoyed, we find ourselves desperate for peace. While our triumph is secure, the battle is still waging all around us. Satan is continually on the prowl, seeking to keep the unsaved enslaved and working to neutralize the effectiveness of Jesus by striking fear in the hearts of Christians. The father of lies spews deceptive words, stirring doubt of God's love igniting hatred and vengeance toward others and spinning up emotions of shame and inadequacy. His cunning efforts can cause even those with the strongest of faith to hesitate even for a moment or for those of weaker faith to retreat altogether from the battlefield. The remedy for this fear, the remedy for this hatred, the remedy for the disruption, for the shame, is peace. Not a peace that simply isolates us from the battlefield, but a peace that is with us in the midst of the struggle. A peace that can be experienced even though all around us there is chaos. A peace that washes over us in the midst of our fear. A peace that gives us courage to reach out for reconciliation with one another. A peace that calms the guilt and the shame and gives us confidence not in our own abilities, but in the one who gives us those abilities, the mighty God, the empowering one. It is peace that we need as well in this time, in this era of the battle continuing to wage. And it's amazing that we do indeed get a prince of peace. The child that has come is a prince of peace who brings calm in all realms with God, with others and even with ourselves. Now, peace with God, this is, of course, our greatest need. This is where the peace begins. (laughs) It is the fact that we have this child who's come, 
who came and gave his life for us. You know, it's the salvation story again. Are you tired of hearing it? I hope not. You know, I had an interesting conversation with a wonderful guy in our church, Mike, this week, Hurley. And we talked about this reality that some churches can sometimes uh, feel like, you know, the church is not the place for the gospel to be preached because it's a bunch of Christians. This isn't an evangelistic event. And I agree that it's not an evangelistic event. It is. The church is for the church. But the church needs to be reminded of the gospel over and over again. The church needs to remember what we've been saved from, who saved us, and what we are looking forward to. And that's wrapped up in the gospel. And so we say it again this, this, this morning, this Advent Sunday. I don't know, have I done it every week? Maybe I have. Because the first peace that this Prince of Peace brings is a peace between us and our Heavenly Father, the Creator of the universe, the creator of our own individual bodies and souls and lives. You see, we, as humanity, as human beings, given this amazing gift of free will, we've messed it up. We didn't recognize who God really was, and so we rejected him. We rebelled against him, rebelled against his will, thinking that we knew better thinking that somehow we were smarter than him or that we, you know, our will is so much better than his. How many times do we even still do that sometimes? Complaining about the world that we have. You know, if I was creator, I would have created a better world. I would have created a better existence where there wasn't all this evil and ugly stuff. I mean, God, I don't understand. Wait a second. <laughs> Who are we? We are creation. We are not creator. We need him. We need to understand that it is his will that is always right, not ours. And that we would follow him and we would cons consider his perspective the right perspective. And so because of our sin, because of our rebellion, the just reward for that, matter of fact, the choice of that rebellion is a choice to spend all of eternity in separation from the created one. It's a choice to, to, to say, I'm not living in your world, I'm living in my own world. It's a choice to, to reject his kingdom and build our own kingdom. And the just reward for that was not only isolation and separation from our creator and God, but also eventual destruction, the second death, the eternal existence in hell. but the Prince of Peace came. It's amazing to think that even though we had rebelled against this God who had created us, who had loved us, who had provided all this for us, that even though we rebelled against that, that the Prince of Peace still came because he loved us so much. He had compassion on us. He recognized the foolishness of our ways, but also, I think, because he wanted us to not be slaves, to not be folks, individuals, creations that had to always do his will, but that we would be creations that choose to do his will and choose not because, again, we're forced to or because the punishment is great, but because he loves us and we want to love him in return. 
And the Prince of Peace came, and he lived among us. But he didn't just live among us. He didn't just resist temptation. didn't just live that righteous life that none of us could. He he willingly went to the cross and take the punishment for our sin. To receive the wrath of God on our behalf. Amazing that he would do it. Powerful that he would do it. But he did it because he loves us. And the proof of his love for us is in his nailed, scarred hands. So the first act of this Prince of Peace was to bring peace between us and our Creator, between us and our Heavenly Father. By dealing with the problem of our sin and opening up a way for us to be reconciled to God. And of course, he is the way. When we recognize what he has done and accept it as, a be, as that act being done on our behalf, and we recognize our need for a savior, and we step to him and then bow to him and commit our entire life to be lived in honor and praise to him, reconciliation with our father comes. It's amazing that because of the work of Jesus, when we bow our knee to him as Lord, we are no longer seen as guilty. We're no longer seen as sinners and rebels because the amazing truth of Jesus' righteousness being imputed upon us and so that we are declared justified. The peace that comes from knowing that our Heavenly Father has accepted us into His family fully as a justified participant in His kingdom. What a great peace that is. But I think even more so is this reality that our Prince of Peace is continuing to sit at the seat next to to our Father, interceding on our behalf. Hebrews 7.25, I think we have it on the screen here. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always, always lives to make intercession for them. The Prince of Peace is sitting next to our Heavenly Father, and even when we continue in our sin, Jesus says, no, it's okay, my blood covers that as well. The amazing peace that comes from the reconciliation of us to our Creator, to our Heavenly Father, is that that peace is for all time. It doesn't just cover the past sins and the past rebellion, it covers the continued sin and rebellion into the future. So that we don't have to worry every time we make a mistake that somehow now we've got to get saved again. That we've got to somehow go through the gate again. No, no. We are through the gate and never have to enter it again. We are forever saved, forever safe, forever at peace with God. The saying goes, it takes two to tango. 
usually referring to conflict <laughs> between a couple of people. Yeah, yeah, like no one, you know, there's never just one person that's at fault. The reality is, is we as human beings tend to be in competition with, with one another. Of course, the latest evidence of that was our Advent readings this year. As each connection group seemed to want to, you know, kind of do a little bit better than the last one or kind of, you know, do something extra special or awesome and cool. And it was awesome. And I, let me guess, this competition is great, man. It was amazing. You guys did a great job. I love the Advent. But, you know, we, we have this sense about us, right, this tendency as human beings to be in competition with one another. I'm super competitive. <laughs> I, I, I never will turn away from a you know, competitive fight. You want to do, okay, well, let's go work. You know, whatever it is, I don't, I don't care what it is, sports or whatever, I, I, I'm in, right? Seahawks are not in, though. That's a bad thing, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, anyway, it's good. But the, the second act of the Prince of Peace is to bring peace between us and others. Uh, the reality is, you know, we often can look at other people and compare ourselves to them. It's the comparing game. And we can feel like we're really good or we can feel like we're really bad depending on the people who are around us and what we perceive their level of holiness to be. We have this tendency to always be kind of looking at the other people and sizing ourselves up. Who, where am I at with, you know, in this kind of level, right? You know, how do I, how do I get in, in navigate this, right? But, but we also can oftentimes see other people as the, uh, the keeping us from our own success. We feel like sometimes we're oppressed and being held down because other people won't let us have a chance. But the Prince of Peace has done his work in an actually surprising way. Because the Prince of Peace, first of all, came as a servant. Came to love and to serve us all. But more than that, by his life and death and resurrection, he became the focal point of all humanity. In essence, he's the one that we are to compare ourselves to. And when we compare ourselves to Jesus, we all fail, miserably fail. It is true that at the foot of the cross, all Christians, all humanity are equal. We all are in desperate need, no matter how great our sins are or how uh, uh, small our sins are, or whatever that looks like in the world, we all have a desperate need for Jesus. We all have the equal amount of need because the reality is even the smallest of white lies can send us to eternity without Christ. And so we all need him. And so because he's been elevated, we have been equalized. We've, we've been put in this situation. We realize, wait a second, you know, there's, there's no higher or lower. There's no hierarchy here. There's only Jesus and then the rest of us. Secondarily to that is not only are we equally depraved, but when we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, we're equally saved. There's no hierarchy in the kingdom. Romans 8, 16 and 17. 
The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Not like, you know, this heir and that heir. And, you know, there's like heir A, and then there's heir B, and then there's heir C, and then don't, buy, don't forget about heir X down here. They're really down. No, no, we are children and then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So when we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, we are elevated from our depravity into the glory of Christ, and we all are equal in that glory with Christ as, as, as uh, Christians. Amen? This is an amazing reality. It removes the comparison from the world. It removes the competition from others. Instead, it focuses our attention on Jesus. This is the Prince of Peace. When we understand who he is and who I am in conjunction to him, then I recognize that we're all in the same boat. And I stop comparing. I stop worrying about those around us as being competitors in this life and instead begin to seek to love them, to care for them especially those who still have not come to know Jesus. Sometimes when we come to Christ, some of us who come to Christ, we come with an expectation that not only will we be saved, but those who have harmed us will be destroyed. The shocking truth about salvation is that Jesus saves us. And he continues to pursue our enemies and the ones who've hurt us so that he can save them as well. It is this transformation of our heart when we give our life to Jesus that we begin to look at those around us who have hurt us maybe for years in very difficult and painful ways. And over time, our heart gets transformed by his love for us. And reconciliation can then come. It takes two to tango. If one stops tangoing, the relationship has a chance. In marriage counseling and any kind of counseling with two people who are in conflict, oftentimes that's, that's the step. If you could just get at least one of them to stop fighting each other, get one of them to stop blaming the other person, just get one of them to begin to actually love the other there's opportunity for reconciliation. Because the truth is, when we love someone else, especially those who are enemies, it transforms them as well. It does something to them. It takes the fuel out of their anger. It allows for opportunities. The Prince of Peace doesn't just reconcile us with our Creator. He also brings peace and reconciliation with our relationships with others. And finally, he brings peace to our own very hearts. <laughs> when I, uh, we've all, I think, dealt with this in our paths, and I've shared this before, but my first year, especially probably two years as lead pastor of this amazing community, were filled with Sunday afternoons curled up in the fetal position on my couch because of the criticism, the voices in my head that I know were in part Satan's voice, but also more importantly, were my own sense of inadequacy and shame and failure. 
just speaking words of criticism over that Sunday morning's message or whatever I did or didn't do or whatever. I know there are some in this room that struggle with that every day and you don't ever come up on stage. <laughs> the reality is, is we have an accuser and he is still active. He is a defeated enemy, but he's still active. And he loves to slow us down. He loves to kind of cause us to stumble by speaking to our ears words of condemnation. He speaks lies to us, seeking to tear us down, seeking to tempt us. Isn't it great how he tempts us to sin, and then once we sin, he comes in with a condemnation afterwards. So we have this enemy who is whispering and can, can speak these things into our hearts and our minds and cause us to feel criticism and shame and to stop. But also we have to recognize it's not always just Satan. It's oftentimes our own just inability to process our own experiences. We are self-critical. We beat ourselves up. We look at what we've done. We can beat, you know, just tear it down. We have this reality of, criticizing ourselves for everything we do. But the Prince of Peace steps into that battle of the mind and he speaks words of truth. He speaks to us about who we truly are. Romans 8, children of God. To know that we have been accepted into the family of God and that acceptance is eternal. To know that I am righteous not because of my own acts of righteousness, but because of Jesus' righteousness. So when the whisper comes and says, you are horrible, you're condemned, your sin is too much, Jesus can't pay that price, you, we can respond. And the Prince of Peace responds with saying, no, I've died for that too. So we don't have to be filled with shame. We don't have to be, allow that guilt and that sense of, uh, of, of failure, that sense of condemnation to hover and to remain and to control us. We can let go of it, knowing that we are justified, knowing that we are righteous because of his righteousness and leaning into that. It's not that we don't repent of our sin. We do. We must repent of our sin, even as Christians. But our repentance isn't into salvation. Our repentance is into being able to continue to enjoy what we have in Jesus. Another time in my life, uh, actually a little bit before I, we came here, in 2016, my last day at my previous church was April 1st, and that's no joke. <laughs> and I had no job on April 2nd. Now, I mean, we all, you know, enjoy working, and I certainly enjoy working, and, but I also enjoy vacation. Um, and, and, you know, so you go on vacation, like, it's okay, like, it's great. Uh, I, you know, you love not having to sometimes work, right? You know, like, get that break, right? But it is different when you walk out of a previous position, and you literally have 
no idea what's next. And I remember thinking, like, on April 2nd when I woke up, I remember thinking, like, okay, I'm, <laughs> it's, it's funny, like, I wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm really stressed out because I have nothing to do next. I don't know what's coming. I don't know what you're doing, Lord. This is, I'm freaking out. I'm stressing. I'm right, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then I realized, wait a second. I'm actually not freaking out. Like I tried to talk myself into being freaked out because I was like, in my mind, I should be freaking out, but I wasn't. I was like, I have never experienced, well, I've, you know, I've experienced since, uh, seasons of peace before, but I could not believe the peace the Lord washed over me in this season. It's, it caused me to wonder sometimes, like, you know, some of us deal with anxiety, and it's a real thing, and, and, and sometimes we need some medication to help us with that. Sometimes we need some counseling to help us with this. There's a lot of, I mean, anxiety is a reality, right? I'm, I, so don't, but, I, but I wondered about this. Is, this is what I thought about, is I wondered... If, the, if our physical responses, the way we feel, like we, we identify certain feelings, like that butterfly in your stomach or whatever, we identify certain feelings with stress. But I, but I wondered, because of the peace that came over me in this time, I wondered if, like, you know, are we misidentifying maybe what's going on in our bodies? That, that maybe it's the, the feelings of butterfly made me actually not stress. Yet we label it as stress, you know. I think sometimes, you know, the, the anxiety that comes and the stress that comes, it's more of a physical thing. I'm not saying it's not real, but I'm just saying it's oftentimes more physical, and we identify with that, and because we see, oh my gosh, I'm stressed, and that creates what? More stress, because I'm stressed. And, and so I just wonder, like, you know, we have the Prince of Peace, and I praise the Lord that he came in in that season. And matter of fact, in the last few years, he has given me such amazing peace as I've, uh, you know, just journeyed in life with you guys and done ministry with you guys. I can't believe the level of peace I have. But I understand that we don't always get to experience that every day. Like sometimes it's going to come back and we're going to have to deal with stress. But understand that if we want peace, it comes from the Prince of Peace, not from our coping mechanisms, not from our trying to figure out this or that. Like, understand, like, he uses those things, right? He uses counseling. He can use medication. He can use our coping mechanisms. But let's not trust those things. Let's trust him. Let's continue to seek him for that peace. Because the amazing thing is, even in the times when you should be freaking out, you can experience amazing peace. Amen. And this is the gift of having a prince of peace who loves us, who cares for us. Who, who, who recognizes our stress, who recognizes our anxiety. One of the things that I've begun to pray about anxiety and stress is like, if I begin to feel that physically, instead of freaking out, this is what I do. I say, okay, Lord, like, what are you doing right now? Why are you removing the sense of peace that I know you provide? What, what, is that, what is it I need to do in order to walk into this? What are you calling me into? What do you want me to be aware of, right? And so instead of like thinking that, oh my gosh, there's something wrong with me, when we lose our sense of peace, it's an opportunity for God to get our attention and we can turn to him 
and say, okay, I'm not feel, or I'm feeling stressed right now. I'm feeling anxious right now. Why, Lord? What are, you, what are you doing right now? What do you want me to be aware of? Are you trying to teach me something? Are you trying to open my eyes to something? Here's, um, I think, maybe an important piece as we continue in this this era of tension and battle. Again, Jesus has already won the victory. And because we're in his family, we've already won. But the battle continues to wage. The clock is still ticking down. But there's this reality that we need to recognize in the midst of it all. That matter of fact, I think when the battle is most tense, that's when he brings peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, we know it, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, some people look at that first, and, they, and we can get really, we can start beating ourselves up or other people up over the do not be anxious. If you're anxious, you're sinning. No, 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 whoa, 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 back up the bus. Being anxious is sometimes just a reality. And I would point to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross. Was Jesus maybe anxious in that time? He was so stressed, he was bleeding, sweating blood. So we need to be careful with, you know, the divine God, you know, I get that. But anyway, I'm just, just, I think this is just reality. You know, anxiousness is not sin. But when we do feel anxious, we should take those things to the Lord. In prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, letting our requests be known to God. He wants us to turn to him. When we feel anxious, that's like a time to, okay, we need to go to Jesus. What is he doing? Help me, Lord, help me. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I didn't understand why I felt peace in that season in between. It was beyond my comprehension. I, I really didn't get it. And matter of fact, I think the world, <laughs> the world has been shocked over and over again by the church and by Christians who in the midst of great uh, great persecution and great tension and great struggle and great sorrow have peace. When someone's on their deathbed and they know Jesus, they can embrace death and do it with peace. If they don't know Jesus and they don't know where they're going, that usually re results in a, a lot of anxiety and stress and, and, and fighting against it. This is the gift that we get from the prince, prince of Peace. Bottom line, the Prince of Peace is with us. Again, I, I think this is so important to our life as Christians today, to know that we are not alone. His presence assures us that we are accepted and justified. Think about that. Like, I mean, it's one thing to know what Scripture teaches, to know the gospel message, right? To know that Jesus died for our sins, and if I confess him, I'm saved and I have eternity. But it's another thing. So we can think that in our brains, but when we understand and can experience the presence of Jesus with us, salvation is sure. He's with me. Like, he's there. I can't get away from him. I try sometimes, but he's always there. His presence assures us that we are accepted, that we are justified, that we 
have been saved for all eternity. His presence inspires us to love others, to seek to live at peace with them instead of competing against them, looking for ways to bless them, to care for them, to love on them, to help them to find Jesus as well. Again, if we understand and know that he's right next to us, It changes the way we look at other people. When we understand that he is seeking the lost, looking to save every soul that he's created because he loves them. When we understand that, then when we, and he know, we know that that being is right here with us, then when we see that person, even if they have been one of the greatest enemies in our life, we can't help but go, wait a second, what's the purpose of Jesus? I want to destroy, but... You want to love. It changes us when we understand that the Prince of Peace is with us. And it is his presence that quiets the internal nagging and fear. The criticism and the condemnation, those voices that continue to speak those things over us. But when we know he's with us, he's right there. And he knows what's being whispered in one ear while he whispers the truth in the other. Hmm. We have an amazing Prince of Peace. Amen. Laura and worship team, why don't you come up as I give the final thought here. As the time on the game clock continues to tick down, we are not alone. Not only has our awesome Lord won the victory for our souls, he remains with us in the waning moments until our salvation is fully realized. He is with us as our wonderful counselor, available, listening, and giving us wise counsel in every situation. He is with us as the mighty God, breaking the chains of sin and empowering us to love others in the midst of the struggle. He is with us as the everlasting Father, holding the doors of eternity wide open, preparing us for the joyous celebration that is to come. He is with us as Prince of Peace, confirming our position and settling our anxious hearts. Let us remember these names of Jesus and the truths that they represent as we celebrate Christmas this year. May they encourage us in these final days which are filled with so much struggle and tension. And may they remind us that we are not alone, but our Savior and Lord. He is with us, providing all that we need, all for his glory. Amen. Church, will you stand with me and sing a song of response, and I'll be back up for a closing scripture. Heavenly Father, help us to breathe in that peace right now. Those in the room that are filled with anxiety and stress over life, the disruptions that are there, or maybe their failures and 
maybe the conflicts and misunderstandings. Lord, this world always creates more and more anxiety, but you always bring more and more peace. So Lord, help us to breathe in your peace today, especially those of us struggling with stress or anxiety right now over life. That would help us to breathe in that peace. Help us to recognize your presence with us, that you are one with us, that we are one with you, that, that we always have you with us, that our eternity is sure. We don't have to fight against the world. We just need to love the world, to pursue the world with you. And Lord, we don't have to listen to the voices of criticism in our heads that condemn us, try to fill us with guilt and shame. Lord, we are forgiven. You're with us. We're one with you. We're accepted. We're loved. We're powerful because of you. John chapter 14, verses 15 and following. If you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jumping down to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Church, if you are struggling with anxiety and need peace, please come forward and allow us to pray with you that the Lord would allow you to experience that washing of his peace today. Merry Christmas, church. Have a great uh, Sunday next Saturday night here for our Christmas Eve service at 5 o'clock. Bring some cookies to share. We're going to have a great time celebrating together.